Hey everyone, if you're a fan of Odd and Bizarre TV, you can join myself, Kevin, and my co-host Ethan as we host our new podcast, Primetime Oddities, available on Apple and Google Podcasts, coming to other podcast platforms very soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast, where this week we'll be discussing episode three of Star Trek Lower Decks, Temporal Edict. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin, and I am joined by... by the other host, Ethan. So let's, I guess, hop right into it. So third episode this week. At a high level, how are you feeling about it before you get into specifics? What's your takeaway? How do you feel about it now that it's uh, now that it's ended? So I watched this episode twice. Mm-hmm. First time, not taking notes or anything, just enjoying it. And I thought, okay, that was that was a fine episode. And then the second time, when I took notes, I was really down on it. Yeah. We're kind of in sync in that way. I, I wouldn't say I'm da- I'm I'm down on it, but uh, I I didn't I wouldn't say that I got as much enjoyment out of it this week as I had the previous two weeks. So mm-hmm. to kind of give a brief recap of the episode, so basically what happens this week is a new work protocol on the Cerritos has the crew running all over the place as they try to maintain this tight schedule enforced by the captain in an attempt to eliminate buffer time. And the B-plot of it is, meanwhile, en route to the Cardassia Prime to broker peace negotiations, the Cerritos is diverted to Galrock 5 to deliver the inhabitants diplomatic trinkets. The captain, of course, is not happy about this because she feels that it was their first opportunity to do something important. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of a funny, it was a funny idea. But uh, I like I, the premise that the Cardassians were creeping everyone out. Yes, yes. that was funny. And, well, and I and I was a little excited about that because I thought to myself, we haven't heard anything of the of the Cardassians after the Dominion War. So, what's kind of going on over there? What happened on Cardassia Prime? Because Cardassia Prime was in shambles in the series finale of Deep Space Nine. We don't know what's been going on with them after that. So nothing is mentioned on Picard. So it looks like there's going to be a Cardassian, at least one Cardassian in season three of Discovery, but that's, of course, thou- a thousand years later. So, yeah. Um, and, and, and don't forget, at this point in Lower Deck, where Lower Decks takes place, this is not too long after the Dominion War has ended. So, so it looks like, you know, I'm assuming these diplomatic relations are definitely tied to sort of the Dominion War aftermath. But, uh, yeah, would have been nice to to get a little bit more info there. But um, mm. my, fir- my first kind of observation with this episode is that I didn't feel like there was really a lot of character growth this week. Everyone was just right, kind of... Right, it was of, a lot of tre- treading water. Yeah, everyone everyone was just kind of there, but there didn't, there didn't seem to be... There wasn't no... There was no growth from... From last week and this episode kind of made me i didn't like the senior staff like at all 
in this episode. Uh, I know that while maybe the point of the show is to not like them as much because the Lower Decks crew are sort of the... the Lower Decks crew are the main focus of the show. I just... I didn't... The the senior staff was just, was just fucking idiotic this week. And I didn't, yeah, so I, didn't I mentioned like that it. before that. They're so... That was one of the things that I felt like we were talking about how it's um, Star Trek's not the butt of the joke, right? But I made the point I think, last week of the made on the first episode that the senior staff is so terrible mm-hmm. and so dumb that that sort of makes Starfleet the butt of the joke, and, and I think that they did a lot of that here. And I think another thing that's happening, and I think the fact that we don't like the senior staff is part of it because yeah. I feel that we got kind of a bait witch. And I think we got it on Discovery. Because remember, say- we heard about Discovery. We heard the same thing. Michael Burnham, she's not on the command crew. It's going to be a different perspective on Star Trek. And it right. didn't take before she was on the command. You know, right. half an episode. Yeah. Um, and with this show, right? This is called Lower Decks. We're supposed to be with the people lower on the ship, and yet this was could have been any other episode because here we are again somehow they're on lower decks but they're always on the away mission right and they're always in on these big high level decisions it's like you had a premise that was interesting right but you didn't trust it because now everything is just like any other show and they even threw in a line i think it was just to make us understand when um i forget oh ransom said uh, uh mariner if it wasn't for your uh, phaser accuracy, you wouldn't even be on this away mission to kind right. of explain like why is she always on away missions? It doesn't make any sense if they're yeah. low ranking. It's That's the thing. For a crew that is considered to be the lower decks, they're definitely interacting with the upper decks pretty often. I mean, I'm glad you brought up the Discovery comparison because I do remember in the early days of the show, like before the show was before the show came on the air, the idea was that Burnham was actually going to be called number one. And we actually weren't going to know what her name was, at least not right away. Which I found interesting. And to your point, interesting on seeing what the perspective of it is. And even though we still kind of have it on Discovery, she's still a member of the senior staff. So what difference does it make whether you whether you change the perspective or not. Like, the difference is that it's just the captain who's not the lead character. But it's still... She might as well be the captain, though. And I and right. know, to get a little sidetracked here, that... I think... To get a little sidetracked here, I think the show's heading in that direction anyway. Right, and going just, they don't... They're not necessarily there when the commands come in like right. they would if we were watching Next Generation. But they're involved in all these big yeah. activities, big decisions and, and right. whatnot. And um, that's sort of disappointing. I wanted to see a different perspective. And the captain, here's another thing. So we were talking, the show had a tough balance and we talked about that. You yeah. could be funny and maybe have characters we care about and, you know, Star Trek adventure and whatnot, mm. and ideas that we like. I think that, the captain was so dumb in this yes. episode that it yes. has completely jumped the shark, to use a tired phrase, but completely jumped the shark away from anything. Like we were saying, oh, this really feels like it could be, aside from the jokes, like yeah. real yeah. next gen era 
Right. But no way. The captain was too dumb. The, There's no way that while you're being a, a boarded and attacked, you would tell people to continue doing their routine maintenance. Well, the, the jokes in this episode came at the expense of making... Albeit the secondary characters, making the secondary characters look stupid. And... I think just as a rule of thumb, just in comedy in general, like I don't... That's not my kind of... That's not my bag when it comes to comedy, right? And I'm not saying this as a particular criticism to the way Star Trek is handling comedy. We've noted that... And the first two episodes, we I mean, we seem to be in agreement that they were good at... They were pretty good at giving us some really genuine laughs, right? But the thing that we noted, and I think the first two episodes are doing this too, that Trek, historically in the past, when dealing with comedy they the comedy comes out of the ridiculousness of the situation like star trek 4 is funny because you've never seen captain kirk try to cross a busy intersection not knowing what an automobile is and not knowing how to it's it's that fish out of water comedy right yes. and, and of course this show was going to be different this was going to be right, jokes and right but where i'm going with it is that trek has handled comedy out of the out of the situations, right? It's not writing, specifically writing jokes. Data is funny because he is an android trying to understand humor. Like, that is funny, right? Th just things like that. And so, and and again, I think Lower Decks did succeed in giving us some really good laughs in the first two episodes. I just think that where they, where they chose to go with this one, they... I don't. I don't like what they did to the senior staff. Right. To get laughs out of it, right? Like I. I didn't. I agree. I didn't like that because. And sort of on the and sort of going with that because my other note here was that. What I what I don't like what happened this week is so. You know, even though the Cerritos is meant to be, an unimportant ship, I didn't like how the crew now seems to be aware of that. Like, I wish they still... Because cause now they're complaining about how, oh, we're not doing anything important. You know, all these other... You know, the Enterprise, the, the efficiency of the Enterprise, and stuff like that. Like, the sort of... The carrot was dangled in front of them. And now they... And now the captain is upset about that. And she sort of realizes, like, you know, we're not important. And... Like, I wish they had still treated everything they did. I This is what I think would be funny about it. I wish they still treated the sort of unimportant things as a big deal because they don't realize that it's unimportant. Right. And so you hit on something that I also um, didn't like. Yeah. And I'm going to use a, a Trek analysis phrase that I never use, yeah. but I think it's appropriate here. And I, uh, I feel like I'm going out on a limb here because we always talk about this, but Okay. <clears throat> You ready? I feel that this episode violated Roddenberry's vision. <laughs> but oh. let me explain. Let me explain. You're not, but haters fly that flag because they. I, yes. It doesn't fit my their vision. vision. Yeah. Right. Well, this is my deep analysis. So the reason I think that it didn't mm -hmm. is for a couple reasons. First, the work that they were doing. We've never seen, like, 
people on Star Trek talk about work hours or right things like that because it's a future society where like there's not money, so right. you're not working just for your paycheck. I assume that people that are in the roles that they're in, it's because they have a passion for it and it's what they want to be doing. Whereas here, I felt like this could have been a grocery store. No offense, anyone. I used to work at a Trader Joe's for a little while. So, but this <laughs> could have been that's a grocery right? store. Could have been grocery store employees complaining because their boss was making them like yeah, I don't know, stock the shelves faster. Yes. It really just had this vibe that they don't give a shit about what they're doing. Right. They don't care about anything. They just want to slack off. Now, of course, in the end, it came down to just people can't work constantly. They need some downtime. Right. But it still was that whole vibe of um, almost like the captain being management and everyone else being employees. Yes. Yes. And yes. trying to crack the whip on, which the only time we've ever seen that before is when there's some kind of huge emergency where we mm -hmm. have to get this thing fixed in this X number of hours or else. Yeah. You know, we're all going to die. That's when you'll see Picard get pissed that they're not working fast enough. Right. But not just out of this weird need for efficiency. It's um, it's because to me, I mean, the Cerritos was going to go to Cardassia, but they got diverted at the last minute. So, like, in other words, I find issues with that only because I find an issue with that only because Captain whether you increase efficiency on your ship or not is not going to change whether you get to participate in some kind of important event. I mean... Yeah, well, yeah, she, yeah right, exactly. And then so, yeah. her reaction was so dumb. Right. It didn't have any connection to, like, yeah. how someone would really behave. I, I just... I, I would find it more funny... If, again, just to reinforce what I said earlier, if they are doing these unimportant things, but they don't, they don't see it as unimportant. Like, they, they're like, all right, I know in the preview for next week, it's like, I have holodeck waste management, right? That by itself, just me saying holodeck waste management sounds kind of funny. Just the idea of yes. holodeck waste management. But, like, you have, you'd have an officer who just does it and finds it exciting, and yet, yeah, but you're doing holodeck waste management. Like, that's something that, I mean, we all have our own taste in humor, right? But that's something I would find funny. It, it's sort of like that, it's sort of like that naked gun airplane mentality, right? Where, like, the situations are ridiculous, but yet the characters within the universe that they take place in takes it seriously. Plays it right, seriously. Or even, like, uh, when Boimler was working and he was purging something... And he was doing his little dance and singing about how much he loves purging. Mm. You know, well, that, was like, that, was, yeah. that was funny. Yeah. That was, um, yeah. And here's the thing. I think that there were so I did get some genuine laughs in this. Oh, episode. same. First off, I same. think they, they nailed the cold opens always. I think the cold open was awesome. Yep. With the electric guitar. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just very much in keeping with their characters. Right. And even in that, I could handle it if the chief of security... I can't think of his name. But if he was an idiot, if he was like an aggressive idiot, mm -hmm. I could handle one of them, the bridge crew being, you know, 
just an idiot, and that's why they're funny. Yeah. Because I think he's very good. It's very funny that he's so aggressive that every situation he thinks he needs to get violent with it. That's funny. Right. That's right. In the right, context right. of stuff, well, that's not really how Starfleet rolls. Yeah, the, I agree with you. Have, yeah, go ahead. He's like that. You got um, Bransom is just kind of full of himself. And he's only a very interested in he's advancing a very, his career. He's a very douchey first officer. Yes. Yeah. Now, I do respect how they made it. Um, they sort of played up the, the sexual in between Mariner and, and mm-hmm. Ransom. I actually yep. liked that a lot. Yep. And I thought it was very funny. It was very subtle, but at first, when um, she says, you know, <laughs> with your broad shoulders, your shiny hair, and you talk a good game, yep. you know. It was funny then later. It's like, oh, okay, that's why she's talking. She was noticing his broad shoulders and his mm-hmm. shiny hair. Yeah. I, well, that made a lot of sense. But, and then, it, yeah, so then him being like that and then the captain being yeah. so ridiculous. I just, I felt like this week it was, it was played up more as a, as, as parody than. Yes. Yeah. I, I it, yes. it felt more parody this week than in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, because. Yeah. And here's the yeah. thing. Sorry, but you and I, we make a lot of jokes about like the way Kirk fights and whatnot, right? Right, and I got some laughs out and, of that fight, so yeah. And yet, when he was doing it, I just, I didn't feel anything. Because mm. I felt like it was, it was too, it was too on the nose. And then he even had to call it out, like, interlocking fingers, like. Yeah, right, know. when you could just see I, him. Yeah, that was enough just to see him fight out. like that, I think. Right. Oh, hi, he's doing the two-hand punch. Right, right, uh. I, I, I will say, and I like what you said about the cold opens. I, I think they've got these cold opens really well. I, I'm beginning to realize now with the third one that they, they're not related to the plot of the episode. At least it doesn't seem that way. Yeah, they're just a tight joke. Right. I, well, because I had wondered, like, is at first I was like, is the, this week in particular, like, is the cold open the with the Klingons and what she did with the base, like... Is that is that now the reason why they're not going to Cardassia? Like, oh, you, you know, you fucked something up with a Klingon, so now you're not going. Like, that's what I thought maybe it was, but uh, yeah, I do like that they um, that they they've got the cold opens done very very well. But yeah, I, I, I again I, this week to me felt much more parody than the rest than totally. the other two. But uh, just also silly. Like, yeah. why is it that Imler was the only one who used the phaser? Mm-hmm. Even the chief of the head of security didn't use a phaser at any point, even to stun. Well, and even even on what we were talking about with the senior staff, right? The fact that you had a Boimler like giving the captain a pep talk, I thought to myself, like, okay, now, okay, it seems like he could command his own ship now. He's got efficiency down. He talked the captain off the ledge. Right, and he understands that even though he is complete, yeah. So he's yeah. more not only good; he's emotionally intelligent too. He understands that. Yes, I like to follow all the rules and work constantly, but other people need breaks. They need time to but, relax. And and I think that lays into what I was saying. Like I just I didn't feel like I think on that no- on that note, I just didn't feel like there was. Br- Brad did not grow as a character this week. Right, and I, 
look, I realize when you're dealing with the show, not every episode has that. Maybe you expect a little bit here and there, but you have others that do it more than others do. But I just, I didn't, he was just in his element. And maybe that was kind of the point, I guess, right? But I just, I, where he was last week and the week before this, where, well, where he was last week compared to this week, I mean, I didn't feel like there was any growth. There was any kind of growth there. And, like, I, I'm wondering about the, uh, the, uh, you know, Mariner and the first officer now. Like, what, you know, what's going on with that? Is this, is this introducing a new, character dynamic that we're going to be seeing week to week now. I don't know, but it was, yeah, it was interesting. I wouldn't mind. I would think it would be funny because. Yeah. Um, um, but just some kind of su- go ahead. thing that happens. Yeah. That type of where you have someone who actually kind of despises someone, but also recognizes that. Hmm they're attracted to them and so i think there could be some something interesting there i mean and some smaller observations i have like again back on the cold opening thing like when they're doing the musical recitals and stuff like that hucking back to tng say you know they've done that a few times where they you know have used 10 forward as sort of like a performance area like i remember they had musicals there there was one where data was holding a poetry reading which i thought was really funny mm-hmm. um, and even voyager when um i know it was only a dream Take when, a um, Dutch spy. Doctor is singing opera. Yep. Um, I will say I did laugh pretty high when they had like that montage of the crew freaking out as they're desperately trying to get stuff done because like they're just running around, people are screaming, and it's just like I, I don't know what it was, but like the absurdity of that, the absurdity of that really made me laugh. And yeah, and I liked how they drew they, it bags under everyone's eyes. Yeah, no one because it was just so ridiculous. And and yeah, and I thought. I thought that worked really well. And even you were saying earlier, like with Boimer singing that song as he's doing the purging, that also reminded me of Data in Generations when he's when he installs his emotion chip and he's like tapping on the buttons on his console and he's like trying to, and they're all in rhythm and he's like making up a song called Life Forms as he goes along. So oh, there yes. was a little bit of that, which that reminded me of, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think this week was a little bit of a, was more of a, uh, was more of a miss than hit for me yeah definitely and i found that a lot of the things that i sort of enjoyed some of them were just kind of you know references to be references mm-hmm. like when um i i can't think of the names right now but the guy who looks like cyborg and the green lady <laughs> yes but when she when she popped up in frame like spock when he was yeah. dying in um yeah, yeah. so like, that was funny, and then I realized, like, like oh, it's only funny because it just, you know, seemed like that for a second. But actually, no, it was just this little, like, screen thing. Like, it wasn't actually a window at all. I didn't end this week with a smile on my face. And I don't mean to say that as, like, somebody who's just unhappy about stuff. But what I mean by that is when you think of last week, last week's episode, right? In spite of all the funny things that happened, in spite of all the ridiculous things that happened, you find out at the end like that scene with the Ferengi, and then you find out it was just Mariner set it up to make him look good. That was still a nice moment. The episode ended, like, you find out, yeah, she really does care about him. That's that's very nice. Yeah. It was really funny getting there, but it still ended with a very, on a very sort of heartfelt kind of, again, nice moment for the character, right? And I, I thought that was, I thought that was a nice way to end the episode. I didn't get that sense with this one, because it didn't feel like, 
it goes back to what I was saying. It did. There's no. There was no growth in the characters in this episode for this episode. Right. right? It was I, just I think straight up. It almost had one of those, but it was undercut, and that sort of was the joke, I guess, because um, ransom. Uh, ransom scene in sickbay with uh, yeah. Mariner, I yeah. think, was as close as we got to that. You know, when right. he had this grudging respect for her, and she kind of was impressed that he was willing to um, risk himself to save the, the the crew, and that he broke protocol. Found just he likes to break protocol, so that was kind of neat. And then right. you know, it was undercut with a joke, right. which I think was actually a pretty good joke. That mm-hmm. um, he still. Put her in the brig for uniform violation. I will say, one thing I... I made a mental note. I didn't note it, because I, I made one mental note. Two mental notes, actually. Do you find that Mariner being... Mariner. I keep... I keep For some reason, I mix the names up. Do you find her being the daughter of the captain... It doesn't... It doesn't matter? Yeah, there's been... Almost no... Like, there's no threat here. No impact of it. Yeah. At all. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was the one call between her parents, which was, you know, let us know that that was the case. Right. Um, yeah. I've got to think it's going to play later. Maybe it will. I just think that... I feel like there's kind of a missed opportunity there. A missed comedic opportunity. Yeah. Because, in a way, I feel like you could sort of play that up as a little like as like a threat like a comedic threat to them or yeah or have it play some role yeah but yeah ransom is number one right yes okay so if she does start a relationship with ransom that's gonna obviously and you know if her mom's the captain and she yep. has in a relationship with number one that's that's probably gonna you reminded me of something, actually. I can give you... you into play there. You just reminded me oh, of wait, something. Oh, wait, but before you get there, I just want to say one thing. Now you oh, said yeah. you didn't end it with a smile. Yep. I did end it with a smile, but only because that last joke, it... when they went into the far future, and the teacher said, now we're going to talk about the most important yeah. person in Starfleet history, Chief well, Miles O'Brien. I... Okay, so I did, but it's a different kind of smile. It's like, oh, that's oh, that's cute, right? But, yeah. I know. Um, it was just a good joke. The last scene was a good joke. You just reminded me. So, side note, I don't know if you know this, but Ransom is voiced by Jerry O'Connell. Actor Jerry O'Connell, who was married to Rebecca Romaine. So, you got two, number, right. two number ones <laughs> married. Yes. Which I think is pretty funny. Um, that is So, moving on to the continuity watch this week. Yes, I've got a couple questions. Got a couple questions. So I will list out what I saw. And again, I, I turn to our listeners for this. If there's anything that you think I missed, definitely let me know on Twitter. But this is what I uh, came across. So obviously the, the, the big one is a another Enterprise name drop. I thought it was funny that Ransom, as all of the officers are sort of scrambling in the cargo bay, and she's like, are you just going to, are you going to help? Or are you just going to sit there and, command or whatever it was he he kind of laundry list he mentions horned gorillas and sentient tars which is callbacks to the mugatu from the original series of private little war and then sentient tars which i'm you know i took as you know you have armis from tng skin of evil or you could be referencing the baul on discovery or both uh Mariners wars that make you hook up with your best friend's sister. Is that from an episode? I, I, I was trying to place that and I couldn't 
I couldn't think of it. If anybody knows, let me know. I mean, it could just be... I didn't know if it was like a broad reference on just spores infecting you in, in general. I, I couldn't think of something right. specific, but... Uh, I also took it as possibly he just slept with his best friend's sister and then made up the spores so that his friend wouldn't get mad at him. Yeah, my... My my trivia knowledge was was failing me, and I I was looking on I even looked on Memory Alpha, and they didn't have anything for it yet in the continuity section. So if anybody knows what that's referencing, definitely let me know. I, I couldn't I couldn't think of what that meant. Um, I think that may have just been the pure joke part. It may have just it may have just been a joke part as well. But I, I think because it was listed alongside two two re- two other references, I thought this has got to be referencing something. I just can't think of what it is. Um, right. You know, when Marin is surrounded by the aliens, obviously, when she says this reminds her of Kirk in the 2260s, Ransom's fight in the arena was littered with them. You know, the, we were talking about the double-fisted the double punching, ripping the shirt off like Kirk, and the music even sounded a little bit like a mock from a mock time when he's fighting Spock. And then when we leap ahead to the future, I noticed a bo- it looked like there was a Borg, a Borg child, which was interesting. Wow, I missed that. Brad is known as the Great Bird of the Galaxy, which is what Roddenberry is referred to. And then, obviously, you just mentioned it, uh, referring to Miles O'Brien as the most important person in Starfleet. I, I, I had wondered if it, when they let when they went ahead to the future, I was like, oh, is it going to be a Discovery reference? But um, it was kind of a long shot at that point. Because I, I, you didn't know how far ahead they went. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so those, yeah, are, the, those Miles- are the ones... So those are the ones I caught, but uh, if anybody... I think the Miles joke is perfect. So I have a couple of questions yeah. that I don't those... know if they were or not. So when the captain is talking about um, the Cardassians, she says, I even learned to do the dance. Has there ever been a reference to any ceremonial Cardassian I dancing that's involved in greeting them? I don't remember. I, I honestly don't remember that. I remember that line. I don't, I don't know if she's referring to something specific. Um, nothing on, like, say, Deep Space Nine just jumping out at me. But uh, again, if anybody listening knows, tell us. Yeah. No. Um, also, we may have seen this person before, but the blue crewman, the line down the middle of his face, who was carrying the the box that should have had a crystal but had wood in it instead. Yeah, he's a he's a uh, that's a bullion. Okay. Yeah, we've seen them several times. Right. That's all I got. That's all you got. Oh, then the Spock death framing, but I already mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if we, if you could, if if this is, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's really a canon connection in a lot of ways, continuity connection in a lot of ways, but when Boimer gets the the uh, the thing named after him at the end, it's kind of like in the same tradition of like the Picard maneuver and all that stuff. So the Janeway protocol. So. Or the- the discovery law. Yeah, he's getting he's getting something he's getting something named after him, but uh in in the great oh, there's tradition. There's another fun one. Yep. Here's a fun one that broke the fourth wall in a way mm-hmm. is that when um Boimler's on the uh turbo lift, he's uh humming the next generation theme song. I wondered if that's what he was doing. I I was I listened to it a few times and it's like it sounded like he kind of was. It didn't sound exact, but maybe I'm. Uh, yeah, no, I think he definitely was. Yeah, yeah it seemed mm-hmm. like that's what he was. Yeah. yeah. So, that was fun. Um, favorite lines of the week. So I have two sets. So. All right. Go. I loved 
between uh, Mariner and Ransom. Permission to speak freely? Well, you always speak freely. Nobody can stop you from speaking freely. And I got a really good laugh when the captain's sort of like having a meltdown on the bridge and Boimer's trying to talk to her and he's like, she's like, you know, she's leaned back in the chair like ready to just like die and he's like, Captain, listen to me. And she goes, no, don't touch me. I just, I don't know why that just, <laughs> that just really made me, just really made me laugh. It's just the way she, that. yeah. Like when he wasn't even going to be doing that at all. She just like shouts out, no, don't touch me. <laughs> and I hope she good. was going to do it again, but uh, yeah. So those are mine. I've got a couple too. So um, I kind of like the spores that make you hook up with your best friend and sister because my first thought was that that didn't happen. He just hooked up with his best friend's sister and he made up the spores. Yeah. Uh, and then I really like when they're loading up the shuttlecraft and he said, <laughs> Mariner, roll down those sleeves. This isn't a barn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but that one got me pretty good. Yeah. Um, the Gelrakian's enthusiasm for crystals was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that he just specifically then, oh, mentions a barn. Like, why a barn? <laughs> Like of all right. things. Like, when was the last time they would have seen a barn? Right. <laughs> and and you know, it reminded me of when I was young. And some people would say, um, when you leave, leave, oh, um, what do you live in a barn? You can't leave the door open. That would be that was an expression, you know. Hmm. You don't live in, if you leave the house, leave the door open. I'll leave the barn door open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, so Baron is going through her scars. And she says one is from Scottsdale, which I only can assume is Scottsdale, Arizona, mm-hmm. because she's giving all these, you know, planets and all these places. And then she just says Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. So I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and last but not least. Oh, the, the uh, broad shoulders, shiny hair. Yes. Also, that got me. That was a good one. Yeah. All right, so last bit, a deep analysis, as we call it, a deep analysis and examination of next week's episode title. I don't know if it's going to be deep because it seemed like there was a lot on that, a lot of meat on that bone last week based on the title, and we were totally off on what it was. I think that's perhaps the fun. Yes, but this week it's called Moist Vessel. All right, all right. Or next week, excuse me, it's called Moist Vessel. All right, you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Okay, here's what happens. The crew somehow come into contact with the Zindi. Oh, boy. And they have to take one of the Zindi for the for the aquatic Zindi, and they have to uh, pilot the Zindi's ship, because what's a more moist vessel than a vessel that's literally filled with water? A wet vessel. That, that's That's all I got. So, I'm I'm leading more toward the uh, the weird space life form area, but I don't know. Given the fact that this is lower decks, it's comedy. It's probably not. That's probably not going to be the case. I I I don't know. Actually, I I don't. I have no guesses aside from that at all. I I, I didn't spend much time thinking about it. I will confess because I only looked at it just before we began recording. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I have no no guesses at all, aside from that. See, I think that they set us up to think that it's something sexual. Yeah. 
because a vessel is a hollow container. Mm. You know, so I think that's trying to make us think of female anatomy, right. you know, in a crude way. But I think that's that's a um, a misdirect. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a misdirect. I mean, we, I think last week when we found out the name of this episode was called Temporal Edict, it was just a weird coincidence because they had gone into the whole, in that episode, they'd mentioned the Janeway Protocol. And that was in front of like a temporal vortex. And I said, well, that's got to be what it is because Janeway was known as a, you know, she time traveled many times throughout the show. So it's definitely some sort of time travel thing. And then going into this week, we found out that it was called temporal edict. And you even mm-hmm. broke down what the word edict means. So it seemed like maybe yeah. there'd be some sort of form of time travel. Maybe there would have been some kind of Jane, maybe there would have been a Janeway cameo. I don't know, but we were, we were, we were way off. So actually, so right. I, so I, so that makes me want to ask you then. Now that we know what the episode was about, yes, I mean it's called temporal edict. Yes. So, oh, but temporal. Yeah. All all temporal means is it's related to time. time. So obviously time the, the, traveling. Right. So it was the thing of don't 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 overestimate the amount of time it's going to take you to do do your work. Yeah. So it was a fun misdirect. Because every time temporal comes up in Star Trek, it means time travel. Well, actually, time right. Travel. Well, actually, and remind us what edict means. Edict is like a rule handed down from a, you know, usually in my mind it's like a king or a queen. Or a captain. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And, but edict, edict implies that it's very much um, like you have to do this. And, and it, it's sort of like um, tyrannical in mm. a way. You know, yeah. like let's say um, I remember uh, when people wanted uh, to criticize President Obama, they would say he's he's ruling, he's governing by edict because he was using executive orders to to change right. rules. So they were saying because it was one person doing it by themselves, that was a mm. ruling by edict. Got it. Uh, yeah. So I, I think overall this week I'm I'm good. Mo- definitely some good genuine funny moments but i i'm like you i kind of walked away just feeling like a little eh. like it's just as i mentioned the episode made me just not like the supporting characters at all and i just felt like it was played off as too much of a of a parody so uh, i i don't think i don't think it really landed this week for me no but here and just i thought kind of while we were talking is that maybe we were sort of be spoiled a little bit because the first couple of episodes I was sort of surprised that it had as much of the um, character almost development and arc seemingly setting up an arc yeah I didn't expect that I kind of thought that it would be like a lot of comedy shows especially animated ones where you sort of the characters have their kind of archetypes that they are and the comedy is in them just right. doing their thing and this was more of that um so right. maybe we got a little too excited for this arc of Boimler loosening up and um, a Mariner taking on more responsibility. Well, I, I think, again, because we're watching these as they come out, right, we obviously don't know where they're heading with this, right? And But that's not to say that you need to... That doesn't need to be the focus of your episode every single week, right? It's like 
you know, they, they talk about like how the original series was so ahead of its time and how it was very socially relevant. And it was, but they didn't do that every single week. Every week was not a comment on something going on in the world, right? Some of you had special effects laden episodes, right? So they weren't doing it every week. So, and this could just be one of those times. They're just, they're not, that stuff took a backseat because I wanted to just do something a little bit more ridiculous and maybe fun this week. Uh, and if that's the case, yeah. great. I think, you, I think you, I think you did it a little too early in the season. Yeah. Well, Hey, we did get a self-contained. We got three now self-contained Star Trek stories that begin and end. You know, I, I move. I gotta tell you, I, I never realized until I watched this show just how much I miss the self-contained episodic format. I, I truly, truly do. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I think it serves Star Trek pretty well. Because you know what it is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted by the season-long arc format, and the reason why I'm exhausted by it is that I think, first of all, I think it promotes a binge watch mentality, and I'm not a, I'm not a fan of binge watching, right? But also, I think that when you have a show that does that, I think it hurts the rewatch value of it. It makes it difficult for you, like, hey, I'm just gonna pop in an episode and just watch one, right? You can't just enjoy. You can't just enjoy one episode, right? So I feel like season-long arcs kind of hurt the rewatch value. So I feel like if anything, at this point, Star Trek Lower Decks, if they continue down this road of just being self-contained stories, it's going to have a lot of rewatch value down the line. Just on, on, on that notion, in my opinion. Whether it's a good show, that's a that's a different story. But... Mm, yeah. yeah. And then... And I heard something interesting. They actually did this show on um, podcast I like, uh, NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Mm-hmm. And um, someone said that this could be, like, when they were young, they said how they watched some, um, I think this is what they said. Um, they watched some of the original series and sort of, like, got them kind of interested. And then later, they explored, like, a lot more of it, mm-hmm. uh, of Star Trek, and that they said they could see this being that for like some people, especially young people now, that they might like the show because it's kind of funny, and, and then eventually kind of st- spark their curiosity and then start watching some other right. um, Star Trek. So you know, it's like that kind of entry point for well, and, people, perhaps. And if I ever decide one day, hey, I'm going to put on an episode of Star Trek, right? I've said this before to people. I don't tend to do that with Discovery or Picard, not because and and. You know, they take that as like, oh yeah, because modern Trek isn't as good. It's like, no, it's not that at all. I think it's just as good. But I, I can't. It's like me. It's like me taking a book off the shelf that I've already read and just reading a random chapter in the middle of it. Like I can't. It has no beginning, middle, and end. And so That's I can't. I, I can't. And this is just for me. This is not the case for everybody else. I, I, I can't just sit there and watch a, an episode in the middle of season two of Discovery. I remember what right. happens, but yeah, it's just it's not yeah. something that I can. That that's you know, but that applies to even Deep Space Nine. Like I can't. 
even though they did the same thing toward the end, I wouldn't say it was as deep or as rich as the way shows do it now. I still don't... If I'm going to watch an episode of DS9, I don't watch it during the Dominion War years because it's the same it's the same it's the same deal same situation right yeah. well uh perhaps you will have a new series to add to the ones that you do revisit and watch a random episode because we have heard some more news about stranger yes Worlds. so uh good segue to introduce a new segment i feel like we're introducing new segments every week but this is good so uh introducing a new se- a news segment on the show just in case any news drops in between episodes when we record, but uh, word dropped recently uh, from Kurtzman that uh, actually uh, looks like it was four days ago. Uh, so there was a minor update on Strange New Worlds. So um, Strange New Worlds is basically returning, and we knew some of this already. They were doing more self-contained episodes, but. Uh, wanting to go in the direction of returning to Planet of the Week stories and original series optimism. And Kurtzman is quoted as saying, I think Strange New Worlds, under the guidance of Henry Myers and Akiva Goldsman, is going to be a return in a way to the original series. We're going to do standalone episodes. There will be emotional serialization. There will be two-potters. There will be larger plot arcs, but it really is back to the model of Alien of the Week, Planet of the Week, challenge on the ship of the week with these characters on pre-kirk's enterprise i think what people responded to so much in all three characters is this kind of relentless optimism that they have and then they're and they're at the young phase phases of their careers so Hmm. what is um this is all good news to me what's your take um yeah i still have that that I hope to it because it's not easy to do. Right. It's really, really hard. I think, I think it's, it seems strange, but I think it's easier to do a long arc of a, uh, over a season than it is to do varied each week, mm-hmm. different and surprising and exciting self-contained stories. So, I think it's encouraging. I just hope they can do it at a high level. I think that because you have a show dealing with the Enterprise exploring space, which means that they're always moving forward, right? Plot-wise, it's difficult to sort of create a seasonal arc for that, right? I mean, I could see small, like, two-parters, that's great. But eventually you've got to move on. Like, if you're talking, like, aliens or planets, right... Eventually, you're going to move away from those things because you're you're traveling forward, right? So, even though this is sort of a return to form for Trek, albeit it's flipped a little bit on its side only because when he talks about emotional serialization, I mean, it goes back to that Kurtzman quote you've brought up a few times about how if Kirk had... Kirk should be more, have been mourning the death of Edith Keeler for multiple episodes or something like that, or at least referenced it or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Emotional serialization to me, I think, is a good idea. Yeah, so the characters yeah. are not returning back to the default place at the beginning of each episode. Right, because if, if, if the Star Trek shows that are not 
arc based. The one thing those shows did not do enough of that I that I used to love watching them a long time ago is that whenever they would refer to an older episode, which wasn't that often, but whenever they did, I thought that was so cool. I always yes. loved that. And with Strange New Worlds, if it's just something sort of on that level, that's fine. That's great. And Right. Or you'll probably see like the growth of relationships, let's say, like mm-hmm. um, Pike and Spock, you know, yeah. their relationship working together consistently, like, and after all the things that they went through with Discovery. And so, um, yeah, things like that, where you see like people's relationships develop and right. change over time. But not some big bad threat that they're trying to track down through the whole season, and I'm, I'll, right. I'll be very happy with that. Right. Uh, I, I and I've seen some naysayers. I mean, it's not Star Trek without naysayers, right? That talk about how <laughs> they're not happy that they're doing this. And it's like can't think of anything original. And I'm thinking to myself, like, but when you look at the shows that are on the the shows that are that we have now, a return to form, in my opinion is refreshing but you also have a variety of trek shows that are doing different things why would you want a bunch of trek shows that are all doing the same thing that are all structured the same way right yeah well don't forget there was the uh the onion um headline from may 2009 when the jj abrams film came out uh trekkies bash new star trek film as fun and watchable yeah I mean, Discovery and Picard to me seem like at least the way the shows are structured come from the same cookie cutter sheet, right? But Lower Decks a little different, but the premise is a little bit different too. It's meant to be an adult, an adult animated comedy, while being self-contained. Strange New Worlds, I bet. It's going to have the production value of Discovery and Picard, but it's going to go back to what the other shows are doing and being a little bit more self-contained. And I think that's great. I think that's... And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Right? Like, if it ends up being really good, in a way you kind of cracked the code for what makes you well cracked part of the code to what makes a good Trek show. Like you've got to make them self-contained. I I'm, I'm sort of of the opinion that Trek doesn't do a great job with serialization. I think, I think enterprise season four was a great example of how to do serialization in Trek. Like I liked the idea of them just doing these mini arcs one after the other. Hmm. in three like well, I, I loved that that was that and that and i that was very innovative in my opinion i don't know if that i don't know if the show gets enough credit for being innovative that way right well i do one thing i do want to push back on that you said it's just that to say that picard and discovery come from the same cookie cutter sheet i think they both have like season-long story arcs hmm. but That's i what think on that sense it's very different um no, I feel that you know my feelings. That one was executed far better, and um, you know, well, they both went in very different directions. With of it. course, I mean, but that's, I mean, that's that's more of an opinion. That's more of a relative. I'm just saying, like format wise, they feel the same. 
Oh yeah. One being better than the other. I mean, that's a different conversation. I'm just saying, like, the shows feel like the shows have a similar format to them. It's just that yeah, one does a better job. Yeah, I, I, I. That's would like say saying Happy Days has the same format as Lower Decks. Sure. Well, but it's it self-contained episode. But it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I think, and you know, the point I should mention is that. Picard has a... Picard was a show that was clearly, in my opinion, set up better. And they had everything... They had their shit together from day one. Yeah. You've heard me say multiple times that Discovery is a show that suffers from sort of multiple personality disorder. It's a show that doesn't... That can't figure out... It spent two years trying to figure out what it was and and then it abandoned all of it and right and so uh, we always manage to work this in every fucking know, episode we do. all right but, but but one thing is but hopefully the season they figure it out here's one thing though so you said trek doesn't do serialization well right mm-hmm. but then you said that it did it well right but let's be fair Right, and you know we're not haters, but right. we've only seen Trek spearheaded essentially by one person. So, is it that Trek can't do serialization well, or is it that the person in charge of Trek can't do serialization well? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying yeah. you have to answer. That. No, 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 no. I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it, it, it's what you're saying is like, is it that they don't do the serialization well, or is that it's just not an interesting story? Right, and, and right. is it that... It, it, right, because you could I, say, I, yeah. because, oh, well, we three seasons well, and it didn't really work, but three seasons that have been spearheaded by yeah, one Yeah, you're person. saying, like, is if it's compelling, if it's a compelling story, yeah. that's serialized, so in other words, is it Trek's it fault or is it Kurtzman's fault? Um, I'm just putting it out there. Well, I've never, I've, never, I've never bashed Kurtzman. I, I think... I know, but... Well, it's something let's, to let's put, I, I think there's a number of factors, right? But let's put it this way. I think Trek has had more misses than hits when it comes to serialization. And I don't... And just given the history I've seen with the franchise do serialization, it, it, it doesn't give me... When I hear that, I'm just like... Mm. I, I don't think it's proven itself just yet. And maybe it's just because I haven't... There hasn't been a fully compassion but you heard me say in the beginning right like i'm 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 exhausted from from serialization just in general and mm-hmm. because again i think it promotes binge watching and i don't like binge watching right yeah i get it i like being able to watch self and, and i'm not against serialization entirely right i just think that it's nice to have Sort of self. I mean, we 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 talked about it in um, as we were going through the second season of Discovery. Right when we got to the, it was the episode where they found the sphere with all the data. We were like, oh, they're going back to the whole life form and space thing. the the main <laughs> The main plot of the the main drive of this of the arc of the season kind of took a back seat, right? Right. It's funny that we thought that's what it was when really the 
or the sphere came to represent well all the stuff we didn't like about the serialization. Right, but stay focused on when we first saw it, right? I mean, yes. criticisms aside, because we've God knows we've criticized that enough at this point. Yeah. But I think we talked about the sphere more than anything else that's, on all of our podcasts. But where we were then, where I was mentally then with that episode, that's when I said, yeah, okay, so the main thrust of the season seems like it's kind of becoming a B or C storyline, and they're moving on mm. to doing this. So it could and be... And don't forget New Eden. Remember when we watched New Eden, New Eden. how excited we were? Yes. that I should have. I, actually, I should have used that as an example, because that seemed like... So, I guess maybe I should rework what I said a little bit and say, I don't think, I'm not against serialization entirely, but it has to, I don't think it should be all or nothing. I think you can have it, but it should, it should be, it doesn't have to be the A story all the time. That's a very good point. Like, you should be able to... To, it should be yeah, flexible an episode enough. should not exist. An episode should not exist just to be... Like, I like to use the book analogy about reading a random chapter. You yeah. don't want an episode to feel like you just read four pages of a novel. Right. You want it to feel like it has a story to it and it ties into the whole. Yes. That's much better, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, what you mean about getting a little fatigued on serialization? Even when I like a show, I watched a new show last week, um, uh, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And when it was over, I just sort of felt like, oh, I'm not going to wait a week to see another one, and then another week after right. that. Right. I, I want to know where it's going, but I kind of don't have the patience. So, yeah, yeah. I understand. So, I, I, I'm... So, yeah. we're getting, you know, they're they're going to do the, the episode stories. So, it's a, it's a good thing. My, my, but there is my, one other piece of news. Mm-hmm. So, um, over on the film side of things, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the head of um, Para, the new head of Paramount Pictures, mm-hmm. um, Emma. Wait a second here, sorry, Emma Watts. So she says Star Trek is a top priority, yeah, and she's put a hall. Um, the Noah Hawley film, which I didn't realize was at a point that it could be um, halted, you know? I didn't know it was that far along or like that much active. Noah Halt. <laughs> Poor guy. So- <laughs> now, I really like him, Noah Hawley. He made the series Legion. Yep. The sort of barely tied to the X-Men, yep. X-Men spinoff. Um, he made Fargo. Interestingly, too, he wrote um, an uncreated or un- never made uh, Doctor Doom film for 20th Century Fox. So um, I have comments so about this, but yeah, go ahead. I just I think it's too bad because um, I think it would be interesting. Just like I was excited when we first started for um, you know having someone that sort of has a body of work and clearly mm-hmm. a vision in the things that they've done. To give them Star Trek, I think, was um, an interesting idea. So he was someone who I wanted to see. Having seen some of his work, I wanted to see, oh, this is great. I like the stuff he's done. I want to see what he's going to do with Star Trek now. Um, So 
who knows if anything will come of that or what, but it's interesting that they're saying it's a top priority. Now, we did have a longer conversation about how mm-hmm. <laughs> I called it uh, Star Trek is fool's gold for these executives because they they look at the, the statistics and they say, oh, my God, 94% of Americans know Star Trek. This has got to make us a billion dollars. And then it doesn't. And then so they say it's a failure when their expectations were just way too high. Yeah. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what they do with it. But, um, you know, it makes sense. Anyone looking at the Paramount Library would say this is our most valuable asset. I think this could launch into a whole, like, discussion, like, episode in and of itself. Because I have so mm-hmm. many thoughts. I, I, I just, I will say that, and I'll try to keep it brief. I'm less interested right now in a Star Trek film franchise only because there's such it's not all we have now there's such an overabundance of it on TV now and we know there's more coming that to me I feel like the the need for a Star Trek film is less but also with that it's a different world now right I just think and you kind of touched upon it a minute ago the emphasis on on having to have a movie succeed at the box office now is so much greater now than it used to be back when trek was in theaters before so much Mm -hmm. so that paramount wants it to be a billion dollar franchise which i don't i i will forever say as much as i love trek it's not a billion dollar franchise as far as movies are concerned you're never going to have a trek film in my opinion that's going to be a billion dollars that's why it's fool's gold. It's fool's gold. It right. puts much because into it. What happens is, in order for them to get to that point, I think what they end up doing is you need. They end up stripping away everything about it that makes it trek to where it just essentially becomes this almost nondescript sci-fi film that's just Star Trek in name only. Like when I look at the Kelvin films the abrams films like i love the first one because it was it was exactly the kick in the ass that the franchise needed at the time Mm. i think what ended up happening because the first one came out it was a fairly as far as trek standards are concerned it was a huge success it brought on it appealed to the masses it was great and i think that paramount had a cash cow and in front of them a potential franchise new franchise in front of them that they didn't act upon fast enough it took four years for the next film to come out and then when you got to star trek beyond which i think we both enjoyed a lot we enjoyed a lot but the marketing for the film gave me a totally different message it was it was marketed out of paramount's fear of trek i remember when we went to go see force awakens this was in December of 2015. They were releasing the first trailer for Star Trek Beyond, which was due out the following July. I had already seen the trailer because I think it had debuted online like the day before that. But everybody in the audience, for the most part, probably had not seen the trailer yet. Or at least you were going to have people that had never seen it yet. And that was that infamous trailer played to Beastie Boys Sabotage. Right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the... And, I, and even when I first saw it online the day before, I'm like, what the fuck is this, right? 
so not only was it did it try to appeal to the masses by being all sort of like edgy and trying to make it look all action oriented and sort of fast and furious like mm-hmm. and not only did the audience laugh when the trailer ended the thing that i observed that stuck out the most for me that told me everything i needed to know once the trail when the trailer was coming to an end and the title came up it said in big letters beyond and it took a few seconds and then star trek slow the words star trek slowly faded in and i said and i'm like they're trying to fool the audience like they don't they don't want the audience to know that this is a star trek movie but they're putting the word star trek in there out of necessity because it is a star trek movie but it, yeah. the 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 feeling i got from that movie was paramount and even not so much as much but in the even the one before it into darkness like paramount for some reason having all the success of the first movie they seemed to want to they were they seemed scared that it was yeah, star trek they it, it, don't it scream it which didn't make any sense the, to me like and it, it was interesting because the film beyond we enjoyed it a lot like it, we did it was the marketing right it wasn't the film but it it, it screamed um this isn't your grandpa's star trek like that kind of vibe which is yeah. terrible but here's the thing about um not being as excited about films and whatnot however if they said we've got a star trek film and it's that was as ridiculous as this one is i guess it is real but it could, it's a quentin tarantino movie the star trek or even noah holly where i would say i want to see what these people who have a clear vision what their take on star trek's gonna be that right. would excite me a lot right no i, I, I i'm yes agreed like I, I because they're such proven filmmakers it's like what it'd be like it would this would never happen but it's like what if one day they said, okay, Steven Spielberg is directing a Trek film. I'll be like, what? Excuse me? Like, how yeah. good does it have to be to get a guy of a guy like him to do that? So it's something I'm definitely be open for. What, what I'm not clear on, and I don't think anybody is at this point, is, is this going to continue with the characters set up in the Abrams one? Because the Abrams films... The, the, they were made as a sort of reaction to Paramount and Viacom splitting and the TV rights of Trek right. going over to CBS. And so Paramount right. only had the film rights and suddenly they're just like, okay, well, we need to... Oh, we got to make something, right? So they had to kind of start yeah. over again. They, they kind of had to start over. Now that the two are mm-hmm. back together... Right. And it's what... been so long since we've had a film from that crew. Well, here's the other thing too. This but, is the other, this... but here's the thing: the Noah Holly one, what I've read, it was with the um, you know Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and that crew. Well, what I'm what I'm noticing a lot of some of these other franchises do, like Halloween and Ghostbusters, for example, to use examples, two franchises which have already been rebooted at one time in their lives. They, you know, the, you, you have a series of films. Halloween has a series of films. Ghostbusters has two. They get rebooted and start from scratch. But then they decide, all right, let's actually go back to the original 
continuity and then forget that those reboots ever happened. Let's go back with the original cast and that sort of thing. So, you know, you bring Jamie Lee Curtis back for Halloween and then it ignores everything that came after the first one. So they're going back to the original continuity. This new mm-hmm. Ghostbusters film that's coming out seems to be going back to the original continuity and just disregarding the the reboot that they came, that came out a couple of years ago that we side but note, the reboot didn't also was... didn't seem to be in the same universe as the original films. It's a it's a that's a technical no. quibble. So my suspicion is that if I had to make a guess that this new whatever this new Star Trek film is, I feel like now, especially now with Paramount and CBS now being under the same roof, so the the TV property and the film property now being under the same umbrella, I feel like there's less of a need to go back to the Kelvin timeline and they may go back to the original. Or they could do something insane and bridge them both together. I don't know. but Perhaps, but consider this. They had a project that was in development enough that they had to announce that they were halting it and yeah. that project had the kelvin crew actors mm-hmm. so it at least was still headed in that direction now who knows where it will go now but you right. remind me of something and i'm gonna go on a little rant and uh or just a little thing but so one of the idiots that makes a lot of videos about star trek and says nonsense um <laughs> has been which has been talking I've been so talking many. about Star Wars and how they're going to make a film that's going to erase the last three main saga Star Wars movies and start over. And they're going to do it in continuity through like time travel or the force. And like, don't worry, they're going to erase Ray and all that that happened. And they're going to do three more. So, you know. I don't know. That seems related. But I, I guess I haven't had an opportunity to talk about how dumb that sounds. It, it, it And like, business-wise, there's no need to do that. That's an easier way to do it is just say, okay, we'll just make another movie and don't even refer to that ever again. Yeah. Right? Like, why do you need to spend... Why do you need to make a film that actively shows them erasing that? Is it just because you need satisfaction, because you need validation, because you hate it so much that you need to see a film erase everything to make you feel better about something? Like, just don't refer to it again. That, to me, yeah. is the better... That's that's the that's the better method. Because then you're just acting like it never existed. Yeah, and, right? and to think that a corporation is going to do something. It's, it's like much of the rumors about Star Trek and that we hear. It is complete and utter... Uh, I, I'm going to use a, a Joe Bidenism. It's malarkey. It's a big load of malarkey. Yeah, I, I just I think that I, I wouldn't say that I'm. I I think the Abrams films are fine, right? And as you and I have said, we like Beyond very much. So I wouldn't. I, I'm just I'm not. I'm not itching to get back to that. Like if we don't see him again, I'm I'm okay with that. So yeah, I mean. Here I'll use I'll, I'll use a, a an analogy a DC comic film analogy right is Star Trek going to go in the direction of Batman versus Superman or is it going to go in the direction of Joker are you going to put hundreds of millions of dollars into something and like put all of your eggs into that and it has to or else you know people get fired and 
it's a disaster for the company or are you going to spend more time developing something like kind of unique and a little smaller scale and with the lower lower budget so that the expectations don't have to be so high and then put that up i think i think i would love to see the yeah. second option well i i think that no i agree i think that's what they should do i mean i think that's the that's why beyond did not do well at the box office because they spent an insane amount of money putting the movie together that it just barely profited from everything and that's when you sort of maybe as a studio begin to think do we really need to spend like paramount i think was almost trying to force the franchise into being a like a massive to be massive competition at the box office i mean and it was clear to us that it's not because it came beyond came out in between uh ghostbusters and suicide squad now what do you think about those films as your own you know opinion they certainly had a lot of buzz around them there was buzz there was very very stiff competition so i mean we can go into the all these kinds of you know theories as to why the film just didn't succeed because what we did enjoy it quite a bit i just think it had many things going against it and but i i I think it's all i think a lot of it in my opinion is definitely is 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 self on the on the on the film side recently is self-inflicted by by paramount it's 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 paramount i think mismanaging mismanaging so i think one of the things that i think is hopeful is that there's a new head of paramount and she is pausing everything to really look at like what's the best way to go forward here so you know who knows but it, it seemed that does seem encouraging because all, all it seems to have been for the last bunch of years is some rumor you know yeah and then you hear it and it's like oh that sounds kind of interesting and then nothing for years couldn't tarantino wants to write a star trek film and then nothing i i just i think i think star trek's true home is on tv and again to me there's less i feel there's less of a need of of the films especially now because trek is back on tv before it was all we had so it's like Mm -hmm. when's when's new when's there going to be new trek so it's sort of hanging on every update now i'm just kind of like yeah okay but I like what I'm excited doing on TV, to see so. go. Like I said, I'm excited to see them do something different with it in film. But yeah. I don't know if that's going to. But happen. again, the films have to appeal to a general audience. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's like eh. I think though. I think though that that's being upended a little bit with films like Joker and. There's no reason Joker should have made a billion dollars, but it did. No, I, and I, I think, and I'm not saying Trek films can't work. I just think in the current environment of theatrical films and and where we're at with all these, with the way movies are done nowadays, I don't necessarily feel like Trek can succeed in today's film sort of environment. Hmm. So I don't. Here's the thing. All right, this is definitely going into places we need more time to talk about. But I think that we don't know what the film environment is anymore after well, that's this true long too. shutdown. That's true too. And the fact that really, I mean, what has it film even 
been, but you know, you have like a, you have your Avengers End Games, and then you have everything else. I just think that the maybe the expectations on a film to succeed are way more now than the necessity for it to succeed now is way more than what it was when uh, Trek was in film. Trek was in the theaters on a more regular basis. So it's interesting when you say Joker, like I could not to say this could happen, but like I think Spock has enough resonance in pop culture to like, if you wanted to do like a standalone Spock film, I mean, I could see that. I think that they've gone to that well too many times. Yeah, but maybe I mean, if you got yeah. you know an but here's the other thing if you get an Oscar winning actor that right. wants to play Spock I guess or, or even if you just stuck with Zachary Quinto and did something I mean or, that's true I, I don't I, like, or you could do I mean you could do something like animated series yesteryear and make that into a movie that, that I yeah. mean that would be a cool movie in my opinion that they fleshed it or out it could be more. Spock. I don't know, maybe like he has to go back to Vulcan for Pon Far, and it's all, it's like the whole film is nothing but Vulcans. Right. Yeah, like, I I think... That would be interesting. I feel like there's enough meat on that bone to where you might... (laughs) I see what you're saying, Pon Far, meat, bone. Um, There's enough there, I think, where you could maybe do something. I, I don't think it would do Joker business. No, because <laughs> watching an insane person is much more interesting than watching a Vulcan. But like, think about it. That that's a film that you know. I don't. You just call it, just you don't call it Star Trek Spock. You just call it Spock because you don't have yeah. to put Star Trek in the title. But it's like exactly. it's a film set in the Star Trek universe. But you don't have to really say that because you know that. But it's not going. It wouldn't be done in such a way. I don't think. It wouldn't be in such a way where, like, you'd be like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, right? you like, make it, it a character study. It's a character. You make it right. Oh, you make it right. So, well, here's what you do, right? You look at Spock, and you say, "What is it about Spock that is like the universality or the common experience that we can pull out?" And it's like, well, he's someone who is has two different, you know, he has he has essentially like a mixed species parent, right. like, yeah. you know, like many people now have mixed race families. And it's like you pull that little thread out and you make it like him dealing with, I don't know, the prejudice of that. Or and, and by the way, know, something you've got something that's universally human. I don't think, but I, here's the other thing, though. I don't think you have enough characters in the Trek franchise that resonate in pop culture to the point where you could do that with many of them. I could see you maybe doing it with Kirk, maybe Data, and maybe Picard, but I feel like that's it. They've already done Data and Picard. Right. But I feel like that that's it's really those yeah. four and that's it. Maybe 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 Jordy LaForge. You could do something with McCoy. I mean I totally see Carl Urban do a McCoy film, but I don't know if that Right. So Yeah. I, I, try, I don't I think, think a Jordy film would, would do well. No. You need to stop with these Jordy art. You do it every week. I, you need to stop. <laughs> I didn't say anything else. I'm just saying I was just really I was thinking of another character that's so well known and because of his you know Yeah. I wear. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think while it could be. I bet you he gets a lot of recognition on the street, is all I'm saying. While I think it could be interesting, I I think Trek is very limited 
in that area. I don't think you, I, you couldn't do, in my opinion, do many character studies no, like you do that. Kirk, you do Spock. I would watch a no horror film. Hmm. I but, mean, we'd go see them all, but I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the wide, a, a wide audience is going yeah. to. But who knows? So, well, we uh, definitely talked about that probably more than the lower decks episode, but that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But we'll be back next week with episode four of Star Trek Lower Decks: Moist, Moist Vessel. Vessel. And if any other news drops between now and then, we will discuss it. We will try to. Uh, limit it, limit the time on that. I know we, we have the tendency to go off on tangents, but it's 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 good conversation, nevertheless. So, agreed. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>